0: Hey everyone, Zach Dixon here, and welcome to our 32nd episode of Animalators. Curious conversations from the world of animation. Today on the show we have Agatha Yu, a mechanics designer at Oculus. I had the privilege of hearing Agatha speak at Blend last year in Vancouver, and she's been on my list of hopeful guests ever since. Today on the show we'll talk about her experiences working at Palantir, Adobe, and Oculus. We'll talk about what it means to be a mechanics designer, and we'll discuss the importance of the tools we use and how they shape what we create. Sorry everyone, we had a little bit of issues recording this week. Um, the audio quality might be a little bit less than our, our usual standard, um, but I didn't want you guys to miss this great uh, interview with Agatha. I am so excited to get into all of this and more on this week's episode of Animal Well, Agatha, thank you so much for joining us today. This is this is great.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. Um, well, well, let's jump right into it. You are um, you are currently working at Oculus in uh, San Francisco. That's right.
1: Yeah. So our office is actually in Menlo Park with the Facebook campus. Um, oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Wow. Oh, very cool. So you're actually like at Facebook then.
1: Yeah. So um, once Oculus became face- like a part of the Facebook family, um, most of the team actually moved to Menlo Park.
0: Oh, no way! Very cool. Um, well, yeah. So let's let's start here. Like, what can it tell us uh, a little bit about kind of what you do at Oculus?
1: Yeah. So currently, I'm at Oculus. Uh, I'm the store design lead, which means that I actually take care of kind of like cross-platform. Um, uh, like Oculus experiences that allow you to you know, purchase uh, and like look at different kind of app that's currently in our ecosystem. So I cover three platforms. So one is the Android uh, app that is currently existing, a companion app for Gear VR. And then I also have the desktop app that supports uh, the Rift. And then obviously we also have uh, the Oculus Store that exists in VR. Um, so I take care of all these three platforms. Um, and, you know, talking to engineers, um, chatting with PMs in order to figure out product priorities.
0: Wow. That seems like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a, it's fun. I think um, Oculus is still uh, relatively nimble, and it's been a very interesting um, kind of window into understanding the technology as a whole. But um, it's been fun. A lot of work, though.
0: <laughs> no, I bet. And And... I mean, it's, it's so, it's so brand new, right? I mean, it's, we're, um, I feel like even in some ways still figuring out like what it can be and what it can do. And I, and I imagine you are, um, since you're kind of working across, you know, all these different, um, not only platforms within it, but also like you're working with these people who are working on different projects, you're seeing like games and experiences and, and animation. Um, yeah, it seems like it's, it's really wide open.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's it's actually really interesting, like, you know, compared to some of the previous company that I've been with, um, now that we're onto this kind of new computing platform, which is VR, a lot of the um, the concept and a lot of the kind of patterns that were previously established, like now kind of don't really apply to this new space. I think some of the legacy one can still trickle back down into VR, but like most of the time we're we're looking into this, like this thing and we're like hoping to like wrangle into something that makes sense together with like, you know, there's a lot of additional constraints that we have to deal with, like, you know, software, like processing powers, hardware constraint and all those kinds of things. So it's kind of like building a rocket ship while you're falling off the cliff, essentially.
0: (laughs) That sounds very complicated. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So,
0: so yeah, so like, Are you working on any like specific projects of your own for Oculus, or are you more of kind of doing a small part of many different projects?
1: Yeah, so I own the store product, which means that um, I have to take care of like the overall structure of the store and how it actually gets represented across all three of the core platforms, so mobile, desktop, as well as VR. And a lot of it actually has to do with just like making sure like we understand all the different components that get in there so obviously we don't only just take care of visual design which traditionally most like graphic designers take care of like as a product design um, lead or product designer, uh, what you would do is that like, you will actually try to understand technical constraint, like figure out the interaction pattern, understand like what motion you should use to communicate the interaction. And it all kind of ties in into this like one scope of understanding the overall system and how it fits in with some of the other components that are shared within like some of the other Oculus teams. So yeah.
0: That's so interesting. It almost sounds a little bit like um, kind of what and, and correct me if I'm wrong, kind of what material design and what Google is kind of doing, kind of setting up almost like a, I don't know, setting up a, I don't know, like a not like a brand book, almost just like a, a set of guidelines that we can kind yeah. of all start to to work by. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, I think that's actually a, it, it's a, I think that's a very fascinating uh, comparison. In some sense, that is true. Like I think a lot of the times, like as a platform, Um, A lot of our role is to make sure that, you know, we have like consistency, like people look and feel and understand how the Oculus platform as a whole operate on. But at the same time, I think um, with material design, they kind of definitely benefit from the fact that, you know, web as well as mobile is a much more well-established platform and people have already been... Have these like the luxury of like, you know, do all these different app developers that have tried out new ideas. <laughs> and, yeah. and like, you know, I think material design was a great recipient of all these different like explorations and they can all synthesize it into one thing. Um, whereas like I think with VR is a little bit more tricky because we have like, so many unanswered questions, like, you know, really basic things, like how do you um, move from one space to another without getting people like throwing up in the middle of the experience and um, all these different things that we're trying to stipulate as to a kind of like a more like a VR pattern, best practice kind of a concept, but at the same time, like leaving enough room for us to explore and understand how things operate. Um, and I think that's why it's, like, really valuable to, like, um, kind of grow the community of VR as a whole, because I think that will, like, give us the best chance to actually, like, you know, cherry-pick the good ideas and then, like, integrate it back within our system. Um, and we're pretty excited about that, but obviously it's still yeah. super early phase.
0: For sure. Yeah. Um... Uh, first, are you working with like mostly internal people at at Oculus internal teams that are that are working on stuff? Or are you also working with third party kind of development teams and and VR shops?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we have to. Um, in particular, because I deal with store, which means that I not only have to deal with um, like external parties, so like you know, not only in terms of like some of our hardware partnerships that we have, but as well as the fact that you know I sometimes will have to like help out certain like game studios if they want to promote a certain thing, um, and like thinking about it in a way that is abstract enough so that like maybe we can reuse some of the features um, to promote this app for other uh, content as well. So a lot of it is. Um, from a product design standpoint, like we think a lot more in terms of, okay, what is the thing that this particular party needs and figuring out, like, well, does it make sense to do it once off or should we like really integrate it into the system so that we can keep reusing it? And like, that yeah. was the part that I was like really excited about. And I think throughout my kind of career, like that's the thing that gets me most excited.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So like if, let's let's say I'm, I'm trying to make my, first like vr experience yep. or or app or game or something like that mm-hmm. and, I, and i realize how general and broad of a question that this is but like <laughs> wh- what do you see being the most successful right now like like what are some kind of I, I almost like realize that that's like saying like i'm gonna make an app like what do i need to do to make that app uh-huh. really popular um but yeah but i'm are there any kind of like pretty consistent like do's and don'ts and like things that you see being more successful right now than others
1: So I think um, there's a lot of interest in VR app development, first of all, and I think that's because it's a completely new realm and people are trying to like grasp like what it is and gauge. And I think because of that, there's actually a lot of cost associated with building with VR games. And I think um, that is primarily because like, you know, people don't have anything to fall back on as they do with like the legacies of web and mobile. But at the same time, is like I think um, based on like what I've observed so far, like looking at the store and what performs well, and like you know, what are some of the things that really get people excited? Uh, surprisingly, things that people I guess like didn't expect. So most of the time, when people think of VR, the thing that gets them most excited is actually um, is actually the like they're like, oh, I want to do like a first-person shooter game, or like you know, <laughs> if you're in VR, this is the thing that is going to be the most exciting. But realistically, if you think about it, actually, um, first-person shooter, for example, requires a lot of um, mobility. Like, you need to be dodging, you need to be flanking and all those kinds of things. Um, But in VR, like, most of the time if you do that, you're probably going to get really sick. Um, So (laughs) surprisingly, the things that actually makes people very excited about VR, are like, two. there's two core qualities to it. Like, number one is, like, this... um, immersive sense of control that people have. So, um, like things that make sense to use your hands with. Uh, like using Oculus Touch, um, it's a totally different experience than playing using VR with like a traditional game controller um, because now you, you feel like that the actions that you take have meaning and people feel like they are part of the world. Like a very good example would be Job Simulator, which is one of my favorite VR games um, where yeah. you... When you play, it's just a completely mundane, like nonsensical <laughs> task. Like I would get robbed in a convenience store while I was running it, and all these kinds of things. But um, like squeezing ketchup onto a hot dog, those are all like amazingly fun things that people want to experience in VR. Um, and then. <laughs> Secondly, is actually I think that there is a huge part about um, with VR because things are so costly. The the apps that actually are really interesting are the ones that like are really kind of drill down on one particular um, mechanics or like idea. Like so, it's a little bit more isolated and it's more chugged down. So it's not going to be as complex as some of the apps that you will be able to use on your phone. Uh, But it's like well executed throughout. So a good example would be like, for example, Quill. Like Quill has, um, it's a drawing app that allows you to paint in 3D space. And um, it is a really fun app to to play with. Um, But, you know, it focuses a lot on like understanding scale and that like leverage the medium itself because you know if we are thinking about just drawing in general on photoshop uh on our desktop even if you have a thunderbolt display like it's still relatively um small and you have to keep zooming in and out zooming in and out um, but then with uh, Quill, you can be in there and I think there's a huge part of it it's like understanding what VR does well right now and try to make it into something that like people will want to go back because you can only do that in VR and I think mm-hmm. that's a huge part to it. I don't know if that helps at all <laughs> with your, no, your app
0: <laughs> No, it's just great to hear I don't know, it's great to hear you talk about it I, I, I've seen some amazing like just really cool stuff come out I think it's Quill. Are there a, a lot of drawing apps it is that the main one?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, right now we have there is uh, Medium, which is a kind of like a clay sculpting tool. There is okay. Quill, yeah. it's more like a two D stylistic painting tool, and then you also have Tilt Brush from Google.
0: Tilt Brush, yeah, that that one's crazy. That one looks yeah,
1: that one's really yeah. cool as well.
0: It's very cool. Um, Oh man! It's so, so so we have an Oculus at the office, and I mean, we're getting into Unity a little bit, just like uh-huh. kind of messing around. We thought it might be fun to maybe turn a short film we're working on or something like into, yep. you know, into a VR experience. Um, I, I, I don't know if you've watched uh, Kevin Dart did like a short oh, film yeah. that was uh, on Oculus, and I, I just thought that was really cool. Um, I
1: love his
0: work. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. He was great. And you were, you were both uh, blend speakers. Um, oh, or, yeah, little, yeah, little yeah. Changing. Yeah, you guys, I don't know if you guys got to hang out or not. But anyways, I enjoyed both of your talks very, very much. Um, but super cool. Um, and, and then you were, at, at that point, you were actually working for Adobe. Um, and we'll get yep. to that in a second. But I want to I wanna stay on Oculus for a bit. Um, so do you spend a lot of your your days like testing out new, new things, like actually like mm-hmm. inside of VR. Um, yeah. One thing I, and, and, and I guess to t- kind of tack onto this question, I was talking to a friend of mine about VR and, and just kind of wondering as far as like, do you think our brains like over time as we maybe get used to interacting mm-hmm. in VR spaces, will start to get used to um, some of this motion sickness stuff that we've been talking about, right? Like currently it's, it's really challenging in that, you know, you can't move your perspective around too much or else Mm -hmm. you're going to make people sick. You can't do, um, you can't do too much. I don't know. Do you think that's something that we could one day maybe get used to if like, I don't know, maybe the next generation just kind of grows up on it and it's no big deal to them.
1: Right. Right. So I think I love prototyping and I love like understanding the medium itself and like you know what are some other interaction that makes sense in VR Um, But obviously, um, we still have, so it's it's like a really interesting thing with tech is like, you have to hit this delicate balance between making sure that the existing thing that have already been created, so the platform itself is still running, you know, supporting all the other uh, infrastructure that is getting built. But at the same time, like doing more long term thinking as to like, you know, what are some of the things that is possible? And how can we Um, like eventually integrate it back and I think that's a personal philosophy that I really um, kind of adhere to is the fact that it's like you need to have a overarching kind of theme as to like what your interaction or with your product is about and try to kind of like move the ship little by little to like head towards that direction because like you know as with most tech things like it takes like you know three to six months to build the infrastructure and like figuring yes. out how to integrate all these kind of things so it's it's kind of like a long-haul game um and it's always nice when you know people start chatting about ideas you're like oh by the way you should check out my like prototype here or like check out the video <laughs> concept video that i make Um, And that's really helped to kind of accelerate the conversation. Um, But obviously understanding the balance between um, kind of like existing system versus like completely new um, kind of overhaul for like visual or interaction or motion design um, is something that I'm still like trying to wrangle with. Um, Yeah. As with the motion sickness thing that you were chatting with your friend, so that was actually really interesting because I think that – there have been a lot of investigation as to what will help to alleviate uh, motion sickness as a whole. Um, I think that there is definitely some interesting, um, kind of challenges as to, um, how to, how to rewire your body. So I think uh, biologically, like, you know, we've been slowly evolving and like understanding how space operate, because that's something that like, you know, um, that we are born with and like we experience it every single minute and seconds of our life. Um, and, but then in order to, but when you put on a VR headset and you like, you know, you use the joystick and you move forward, but your body does not move, your brain kind of freaks out. Your brain's like, this oh, is yeah. not natural. Like can you need <laughs> to stop this. Um, sure. and, and I think that's a lot of the things that has been causing the motion sickness. Now, Actually, this reminds me of this really good book that I've read, uh, which is called Moonwalking with Einstein. And it talks about um, not directly in terms of movement, but it talks about how our brain think about uh, like different concepts spatially. And it actually is a tech. There's this technique called the memory palace that helps uh, like memory champions like to like remember a lot of information by laying them up spatially. And one of the biggest thing that the guy, the author, talks about was the fact that, hey, like, you know, we digest information spatially and, like, you know, you, you can imagine and, like, lay out information um, in your head and then you can walk around this kind of space in order to recall specific parts. Now, VR doesn't – VR gives you the illusion but not the substance to do it. And I think that's what causes people to be, like, when they put on – especially when I have like a prototype and I get people to try it on, they're just like, oh my God, I'm feeling really sick right now. (laughs) (laughs) That happens a lot. Um, But, you know, I think what are some of the ways, instead of asking what humans can change, I think what like, you know, a lot of people are working in VR trying to do is like, what can the, what can the technology change? Because I think the way the the, the rate of change for technology is gonna be way faster than biologically rewiring ourselves so that like, you know, <laughs> yeah. our ear levels is like you know balanced when you like have a, the, the vision of moving. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with like, you know, us as people who are creatives, like to think of like interesting ways to mitigate that. And I know that there's a lot of research as well as like prototyping that people have done to augment the sense of movement. Um, and like I've seen some pretty cool stuff, uh, even just out in the public. Uh, but
0: yeah, yeah, no. And it's always interesting to me too when I see kind of VR experiences interacting somehow with like physical environments. Um, yeah. Even in like really simple ways. Like I don't know if you saw the um, the project that the Mill did. Um, I think it was with like Robert De Niro or something. But it was it was about solitary confinement, and they they kind of like put you in a space. That was like the same, you know, size and had a bed and that type uh-huh. of thing. As a, I don't know if you saw that. I just thought it was, it was very interesting because you could move around in the space and uh-huh. like touch touch the walls and things like that. But then, you know, in in VR, it looked like you were, you know, really in solitary confinement. I don't know. I just like I think it's interesting when the kind of physical meets uh, VR in in I don't know in different ways. Have you yeah, seen a lot of, think, of stuff like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is like. I haven't actually had a chance to try it, but I I do think that there is just going to be this, you know, interesting ways to kind of amalgamate like virtual world with the reality. And I think that's a lot of people are like kind of starting to probe. What does it mean to have mixed reality? um, Giving you the physicality of space without, um, uh, but with like additional illusion that is created through uh, the virtual world. Um, I think like, you know, Google is working on Project Tango Um, which is, like, a lot of it is, like, understanding your existing reality space and how it's laid out, and then how do you overlay, like, virtual information, a virtual world on top of your existing world. And I think all those are, like, super exciting to see how it turns out.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Is that kind of more of, like, augmented reality type space?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. So they have like an augmented reality side to it, uh, as well as the fact that they have mixed reality, which means that you could potentially be at home um, and then they could like transform the entire, your, you know, your couch, your kitchen table and all those things into like maybe like a wall room or something like that. So it will be aesthetically, it would be all pixelated, like it will be all pixels uh, fabricating a, a completely different reality, but using the same like obj- physical object that exists in the reality.
0: That's so cool. <laughs> That'll be so, I,
1: yeah. I,
0: it's going it's, it's to be so interesting to see like where we are in a decade from now, as far as like yeah. VR, um, especially as we just kind of get used to the language and the, and the medium too. Cause I think yeah. like, I, I don't know. You see it in like, um, I don't know, even like the touch space, right? Like with, um, like you see it even even in the evolution of just like iOS. Like yeah. it started out as this kind of like skeuomorphic um, interface and because, you know, we, we had to know like what we could touch and what we couldn't and like what was a button and what wasn't. But now like, you know, we're... We, we're used to it, It's it's and, and there, therefore the design has shifted away to something that's maybe a bit more abstract, but yeah. we've kind of learned and we, we understand what all this is going on and, and a five-year-old can use an iPad and it's, you know, like second nature to them. Um, and I don't know, I, I wonder like maybe what those things are now that are like the, the version of that, right? That we're just like, yeah. we're, we're still learning like how to interact with these spaces and, and eventually we're going to get used to it and I wonder yeah. what that's going to look like.
1: I, I think it's really fascinating because I think that the, the transition is actually very similar to, for example, when people used to have, like, go to go and watch a play in a theater and then, um, like, you know, movie as a medium came out and people at first, like, really copy the, para- the old paradigms of, like, how theater uh, works. Yeah. Um, like, you mm-hmm. know, you have, like, a static shot and you just, like, do the, you just, like, fill out the scene and then you take away the elements and you come back in. But then as time, like, moves on, like, people, like, discover, like, oh, no, you can actually use editing to, like, you know, cut from one scene to another or to establish, like, different timing, and it actually does not feel weird, and, you know, audience kind of accept that that is a matter of fact, um, and I think that same will happen with VR. It's, like, you know, right now, I think a lot of the things that some of the VR creatives are doing is actually... Um, like kind of looking back on like maybe how we interact with technology like on our touch uh, devices or like on desktop and then like how can we um, like kind of morph it in a way that works in VR and then as time goes by like I believe that like things will get better because like hardware gets better controllers get better and then like people have more knowledge about like what you should and shouldn't do and what you can do
0: Um, so I, would love to, I'd love to jump back in time for a bit with me. Um, Mm -hmm. so have, have you, I mean, you always haven't been, you know, working in VR. You, you spent some time at at Palantir and also a a time at Adobe. Uh, and I'd love to get to all those, but how did, how did you kind of get your start in, in the creative industry? Um, did you kind of always know that you maybe wanted to be an artist or or a programmer or designer of some kind?
1: Um, that's. That's a very good question. So I came from a very strange background, I guess. Um, so I I was born in Sydney, Australia, and um, I've always really liked uh, math and at the same time um, I was actually very poor in language. So I was born in Australia, but then I was raised uh, in Hong Kong for primary school and kindergarten. And then oh, I moved wow. back to Australia yeah, for high school because my mom was basically saying it's like, your English is really atrocious. Like, you really <laughs> need to fix this. Um, so so what happened was that when I moved back to Australia, I had a very hard time, like not only learning the culture, but mostly actually the language barrier and as a result, like I actually most of the time I just like hang out at the library uh, and I learned Flash. And Flash was something that was like really engrossing to me, not only of the fact that like, you know, I can, um, you know, animate and things like that, but there's also this element of playfulness and interactivity that gets attached to it. It makes it feels alive. Um, and and I, I was like really engrossed in that, but I never really treat it as a serious uh kind of option uh and obviously coming from a more asian background um i did well in school um i got a full scholarship to go and to do a bachelor of law which in sydney is possible it's like a five-year program and then afterwards you get a jd um, okay. and like you know my parents are ecstatic they're just like yes yes i'm so happy <laughs> for dream. you
0: yeah. yeah
1: you've completed the dream we don't need to take care of you anymore you can go off <laughs> beyond on your own <laughs> Um, but what happened was that actually, so I, I studied law, I did like, you know, I did part-time at law firms and things like that. And I I actually really enjoyed the the theory of law, but I did not enjoy the practice of law. So, um, I I love learning about all the theories around like, you know, how do you like understand basic principle? How do you go off from, how do you extract principle out of precedents and all these kinds of more abstract concepts? And they were like really fun. Um, but then, when you get into like doing part-time work at law firms, you realize that that is not the world that they exist in. They like exist in a completely different paradigm where you're mostly a spell checker. Like I just read a lot of documents all the time. Uh, um, yeah. And so what happened was that um, on the side, I was actually doing contract work for um, startups, and then one of them got accepted into Y Combinator, which is like a, a kind of an invest, like a, invest, uh, like a like a startup fund that like invest in interesting ideas. And the team invited me to go over to Mountain View um, for a semester. So I took a semester off, I went there, I hung out, I saw what was happening over at Silicon Valley. And I was like, I'm not going back. To- <laughs> 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 so I kind of stayed and uh, that was the thing that got me into it. And I think it's it's kind of, I've always been, uh, a little bit weird in the sense where, um, I think even before motion become a big thing in tech, like I've actually always been using, uh, flash at first to build like prototypes and like expressing the ideas that I have, um, for different like tech products or even just like general concepts, um, in flash and then eventually moved on to after effects. And I feel like that was, like, such a great way in terms of expressing an idea at very high fidelity and get engineers and PMs and execs to be excited about the idea so that you can propel it forward. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I'm a little bit sad that Flash is gone, but I, I love that tool. That one's, like, amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's crazy to me that they killed it. I feel like there are people who still animate on it pretty consistently. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's this, like, magical moment where you use Flash and you just, like, you just hook up a bunch of things and it's, like, super hacky. Like, I feel like if, like, any of my engineering fans who look at, like, any of my old Flash prototypes are just like, what are you doing? Like, this is just horrible. But, like, it works and that's the magic of it. Um, But, yeah.
0: So so during this transition from law to animation, motion design, um... Yeah, like, were your did your parents like kind of know? Did your family know what was going on? And like, that's that's like
1: quite a shift. Yeah, I think um, my parents kind of my mom translated from a tiger mom into something that is a little bit more mellow. And okay. and when I when I when I told her that I was like, yeah, I think I'm just gonna go to Silicon Valley for a while and I'm gonna take a break off the semester. And she was like, okay, well, you know, I, I, she was like, she's like. I don't know if this is cool, but like, you know, if it's only for a semester, that's fine. And then uh, when I got there and I, I kind of like absorbed a lot of the knowledge and that was always the thing that I really cared about. I was like, what can I learn from this experience? And um, when I gave her, a call, I still remember that time when I gave her a call and I was like, so I don't think I'm going to come back. She was <laughs> like, she, she like paused for a very long time and she's like, I knew it. And she she kinda just accepted it and she's like I'm just gonna put all my hope into your brother. It's all good. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's always good to have a sibling. That's what I've learned.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's your brother now?
1: Uh he's actually he's moved to Hong Kong. He works in finance, so he definitely uh. like fulfilled the he fulfilled <laughs> the, the promise that I, I did not deliver. Oh
0: no. Do you get do you get um I don't know, do you do you visit your brother or or are fam- you your family still in Sydney?
1: No, so um, after my brother moved to Hong Kong, my parents actually moved back to Hong Kong as well. So they oh, okay. all live there. Um, yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's quite a, a trek though. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you get to Hong Kong very often?
1: Yeah, I go back like um, once a year. I actually find it um, very refreshing to yeah. go to a completely different space but also in a world because like you know i i've been living in silicon valley for the last uh three to four years and um it's a beautiful place and it's also like people are very excited about new ideas but at the same time like sometimes you want to have a more diverse uh experience in terms of not only tech but like you know you want to appreciate art that is not in digital format like you want to you want to see things you want to see interesting architecture and you want to understand other. Elements And I get that by going to Hong Kong or going to uh, traveling to other places. Like um, I go back to Japan very often because I lived there for a while. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's always very nice to like sometimes do a mini escape from the, the tech world. But yeah.
0: So as far as uh, you, you ended up at, at Palantir at some point, is, is that correct? Is that kind of your next sta- stop stop on, on this adventure?
1: Yeah, so when I, um, when I decided to stay in America, uh, I needed a visa. <laughs> so I was also looking into doing something because I had the, the startup experience and I wanted to do something that was a little bit more mid-sized. I wanted to get a general sense of like, you know, what are different um, environments. And I think um, when I came to America, the one thing that I realized actually was that I was really interested in building tools. Um, tools are something that was uh, very, how do you say, personal to me. Like I felt very empowered when I uh, played with Flash. And I I always will remember the time where I would spend many hours in the library just to like figure out certain components and how they all fit together. And so that was kind of like the criteria that I had when I uh, decided to like look for opportunities uh, in America. And Palantir was one of the uh, more interesting company that does like uh, – hardcore tools I guess um I wanted to learn how to build mechanics like I really was curious about like what does it mean to um use technology to extend what humans can do and that's I think because like if you think about it like in the tech world there's like two camps usually in terms of like technology that's provided to humans is like there's one that is like oh we want to make things as efficient as possible for you so you don't have to do anything like you just want we just want you to not touch the system we'll automate everything everything will be perfect and then there is another camp of apps that actually augment what you can do and make it and kind of amplify and make it more powerful so you know with you who might be like um, using After Effects or like Excel and like those kinds of tools that enable you to see things that you couldn't see before and think the unthinkable thoughts. Um, I think that's what I was like really excited about when I got out of when I got to America. And so I looked into Palantir and I became their map designer. Uh, not necessarily like designing the map itself, but I'm actually designing the tool that allow people to do geospatial analysis. So like understanding. Um, data from a way that is like laid out in a map format and how to get insight out of that like what does it mean to like fiddle with all these numbers and like have a visual representation of it in a map format so yeah that was what i was worked on uh when i was at palantir
0: no and i I love that and i love so on your website you you call yourself a a mechanics designer um and so yeah so you were you were doing that kind of right away um at, at palantir um which is awesome and and yeah, you kind of dived really into, yeah. You kind of dived into a little bit of, of kind of what that means, and and you you essentially build tools, and I, and I think that's awesome. I think that's like, I don't know. I think there's like something like fundamentally like human about like making tools to essentially better ourselves, right? Like I, I can't remember where this is from, like it was like from a movie or something, but like, you know, like that's one of the things that like really separates us from like from animals i guess is like our ability to kind of like offload some of like our um our our thinking like right like we we essentially just just the ability to like write down numbers um and like kind of store that information externally and and just that tool is a way that we can kind of essentially um i don't know just like kind of grow and almost like self-evolve right like Like become smarter by by designing tools, and I think that's just something that's fundamental about us, right?
1: That's something that is really interesting that you can also observe in nature. So like there'll be these like funny documentary that you'll be watching where like the monkey like learns to use like the rock and like hit on like (laughs) things in order to open the coconut. Like those are all like really fascinating things that was like you know if they didn't think of like using their hands pick up some random object and like understand the fact that if you smash on it, like something will happen. Like, yeah. I think that's what makes us different. And and like very much so in a way where it's like, I don't want to get like fully like apocalyptic here, but you know, with <laughs> with AI and things like that. And like, what does it mean for uh, like, you know, when our kids or like our grandkids, where the computers pretty much take up most of the work that you're going to do, uh, like sure. how, how can we like it's I actually think it's great, like people should not be doing repetitive, boring, same old work that like you know some of the people who currently work at desk job will have to do um I think that's great, but at the same time, it's like well, then, like what are all these people are going to do now that they don't really uh, they aren't necessarily needed for doing like office factory work, and I think there's a huge part for us to take advantage of the fact like, you know humans are humans are great at thinking uh, like making connections that is seems completely absurd. And I think computers still lack that capability and like, you know, leave the repetitive tasks for the robots to do. Like we should be like thinking about like how to make new ideas happen, make new art and like do things that are completely wacky and out of scope. Um, just like keep things as weird as possible. Um, and I think that will like kind of eventually filter it back and make our life richer. Um, as the robots can like take care of the things that like none of us should really be doing, I feel like.
0: No, totally. And, and I mean, ultimately, part of that is building more tools and, and yeah. building new systems that, that make life better. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, uh, which I think would be awesome. Um, so I guess as, as far as building tools go, so I, I, I mean, I heard you speak at Blend. Um, and you were talking a little bit about, um, your kind of time at Adobe and, and if I remember right, you were working on, um, kind of a, a animation tool, um, for mobile and, and for, for iPad. Could you talk a little bit about your, your time at Adobe and kind of. Yeah,
1: absolutely. uh, So I had a, I had a really great time at Adobe. I think, um, it is. Yeah, it, it's definitely a very interesting, um, company, especially because of like my affiliation with tools. And I, I really wanted to see what does it mean to build something that is open-ended, but systematic. So for example, what, what I meant by that is thinking of it this way, where, you know, a lot of the times you have, um, certain tools that allow you to do a very specific workflows. And that actually is become quite prevalent in, um, tech in general so like if you think about uber like it uh puts you through it's a technically a tool that allows you to get a car in front of you and then you can hop on and go to a particular destination but everything is very wizard like it's like almost like clippy it's like you do step one you enter in your location step two you do this step three and everyone goes through the exact same flow um but when you're doing creative tools, that's completely different because you want to support a very diverse set of workflows. Like you don't want to like kind of pigeonhole people into like, oh, you can only use path first, and then you can like adjust your keyframe, and then the next step you're going to do is like you're going to tweak the bezier curve this way. Um, that is not what creative <laughs> tools about. Creative tools about building. Um, Systems in a way that can support all these different artists doing different workflows so that they can express their different styles. And Adobe was a very fascinating company for me to learn a lot about, like, you know, how do you build something that is uh, robust but also um, flexible enough to support different ways of thinking. And um, when I joined Adobe, um, I was uh, super excited because... I've always been using After Effects to do a lot of my concept videos as well as prototyping, like thinking through like the whole user flow and like how things should operate and all the small details. Um, so when I joined Adobe, I decided to pitch uh, Project Maestro, um, which is to use uh, to build uh, an app that allows uh, animators and also other creatives to um, create motion work using the touch interface so doing things that might be actually a lot more tricky to do in after effects uh, so for example like very organic motions like the sense of um you know i think perhaps you and some people who are listening right now uh, are already it's almost like second nature to you like you know exactly how you want the motion curve to look before most other human beings out there they they look at after effects and like this thing is a cockpit. I have no idea what this thing is. I don't wanna go near it. Uh, I'm just gonna open it and then quit immediately. Um, and so like bringing back the organic feel uh, via touch. So using your fingers, something that you're already very comfortable using um, to emulate motion. And and it, it was a very interesting experience as a whole because like, it helped me like i thought i knew after effects relatively well when i joined adobe but when you actually go into production and under talking with engineers and understanding like oh like uh like you know can we do it like this so it's like no it's not as simple so a very good example would be um just simple like hand tracking like using your fingers to draw out the motion path and like figuring out how to smooth because what we want to do is that there's compatibility across After Effects and Maestro. And um, the tricky part is like, well, you know, if we want to put over to After Effects, it means that we're going to generate a whole bunch of keyframes, just like a keyframe at every single frame. And that's, I told them, I was like, that's not usable. Like no one is going to want to open this in After Effects. Um, so then you need to figure out how to do smoothing, but the tricky part about uh, like using your fingers to track the motion is the fact that not only do we need to like mathematically smooth the X coordinate as well as the Y coordinate, we also need to figure out like timing and at what point do you because as you smooth the curve what happens is that you lose the fidelity in the timing so like maybe at a particular point you wanted the butterfly to land on the flower but as you do the smoothing it actually removes that position and then like it will like you know miss all the timings that you would have uh, for like the audio track that you may be playing in the background which makes the information like unusable as well and yeah And a lot of that is, like, really interesting because you kind of get to see under the hood, like, how After Effects work. And, you know, it's not the perfect tool, but it is, like, one of the most powerful tools, I think, for expressing ideas. Um, It's just, it it was a fascinating experience. And also, like, you know, the team for my show was fantastic. Like, they were all, like, Adobe has very brilliant engineers. Um, It's just a matter of sometimes, like, wrangling existing legacy systems and, like, understanding Um, like some of the limitations that they might have in order to support a both system. Like I always feel like that when I work in tech, I always feel that like it's really easy to do something new. It's very hard to do something that is uh, like, it's really easy to do something new that is from scratch. Like there's a blank slate. It's very easy because you can just, you know, architect it in a way that makes sense. But then if you want to do something that, um, does not kill the old product and you want to maintain that legacy, but at the same time push uh, like new ideas. And the, the hard part is always the transition. It's like, how do you like kind of wrangle the two and kind of stick them together in a way that's not too Frankensteinish. Um And I think like those are some of the things that happen when you like understand how like the base uh, operating system, which is After Effects in this case, work and then like what can we do in maestro that supports that but actually take it a step further and that requires a lot of resources and investigation and like understanding um and communication across team to figure that out
0: yeah it sounds incredibly complicated
1: (laughs) I think it's, like, you know, I think the great thing is, like, you know, from my experience, the the team that I worked on at Maestro, like, the engineers, like, really excited to talk to, like, animators. Like, they they were, like, like, yeah, we want to go to the studio. I remember I was actually chatting with uh, Chris from uh, Oddfellows when he was still in SF. And, like, I was, like, talking to him about this app and, like, you know, all my... They came in for a bunch of like user research session, and then like my engineering managers were like actually like kind of behind this one-way mirror thing <laughs> and watching how they use the app. Um, and you know, they, they're always, like, they're always like fascinated by what you can do with the, the, the system. They're always like, wow, I didn't know that you could do this. And they always tell me this like really funny way. The way they express it is always like, oh, I understand how keyframe works but like from a mathematical computational like, point of view, but, they're like, but I, they're like, I can't imagine like how to use them. And I think that is something that is, um, that was like a really great team. They were all like very, very engaged and was really excited about like how they could potentially make uh, animation more fun and accessible and um, expressive. Um, so yeah, that was a really great experience.
0: No, I I think it's a little bit of a bummer as far as like I, I was really looking forward to seeing um, seeing Maestro and seeing like kind of how how that would all come together, especially with Adobe's kind of massive push um, towards all of these kind of mobile mobile apps, um, especially yeah. like um, with how powerful um, like especially Lightroom. I don't know if you've used the Lightroom app too much, but it seems like. Uh, I feel like I heard that like 90% of like the full Lightroom is like available on the iPhone and iPad and like even yeah. adds like some features that aren't even there on on desktop. And um, I don't know. I think that's that's really cool. And and um, I think it, it'd be great if we had some kind of tool on, on the animation side.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there is... Um what I'm hoping for is not like, hey, like, we only want you to use maestro. We only yeah. want you to use touch device. Like, what you want is, like, the two, right? Like, it's kind of like a tango. It's like you have one that is very logical and very precise, which is after effects, and then you have one that is very uh, organic. It's very uh, fluid, um, which is your finger on the touchscreen. And yeah. what I was hoping was, like, like, the new form of art that could be expressed in the two um, kind of uh, ways of doing motion, Um And, you know, I think that there is, like, this, like, now that you've brought up, like, you know, like, Adobe's push for mobile in general, and I think a lot of people are investigating how to do tools in um, mobile space. And I think that was actually one of the things that was fascinating to me when, you know, I talked to the Oculus team is that, like, a lot of the vision um, for Oculus is for it to be the next computing platform. And I definitely believe in that. And, But to me, like, a huge part that, like, you know, sometimes I talk to the team with is the fact that, you know, mobile never actually became an independent computing platform. It's never overtaken PC. It's never actually, like, replaced PC completely. Um, And I think that there is a reason associated with that is actually because, like, mobile is not recursive. Like, it cannot create itself. It's not like you can, like, program an app inside your iPhone so that you can run it on an iPhone. You still need to rely on the PC. And I think that is like a very interesting um, observation in a way that if you think about how do we make VR the next computing platform. And there is a huge part to it is like investing in the tools, like investing in like creation tools That is appropriate for the medium. So, like, you know, I think a lot of people use Lightroom uh, on mobile because, you know, your phone is essentially a camera and that is the medium is well suited for, like, videos and photos. Those are the input methods that um, your phone gives you. And then if you think about it, well, like, what can VR do? And I think that it's going to be focused a lot around, like, how do you. Um, kind of create interactivity, uh, interactive experiences in VR with VR um, so that people are excited. And that will help a lot as well to kind of like make the, make the, the market of VR a little bit more mainstream because right now I know it's still very niche. Um, and yeah.
0: Well, no, and, I, and that, that fits in really well. There's a, there's a quote on your website that, that says, uh, when you make a thing, it's a souvenir of your experience with the tool. Um, and it just says un, from unknown, but I thought that that was kind of amazing. And, and I think it plays right in with what you're talking about, right? I mean, like, yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see exactly what you're saying, where, where, like, we start to see like VR experiences crafted inside of VR. I think that it'll be unlike anything that was ever possible before.
1: Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, like, I... I've also like earlier on. I also spoke with uh, Mindshow. Um, I don't know if you know. It's a it's a VR app that allows you to role play and kind of be an animator, but you kind of role play the character. Mm. And um, it's a very very fun experience. It's uh, like you know, as you act it out with your like hand controllers and like your voice gets recorded and gets distorted for the particular character. It's a very um, it's a very VR appropriate experience. And then. I think those are all the interesting experiments that people are doing and trying to understand like what can you do with VR that you couldn't do in previous uh, like kind of mediums and I think and also, like you know, if you think about like how we work in general, like sometimes I have a relatively clear idea as to what I think I want to make, but then as I sit down and I like go into After Effects or go into Unity or go into like just basic sketches, it's like your ideas change a lot based on the tools that you use because your head is like kind of wired in a very particular way, and uh, based on like you know what options you have available to you, and. Sometimes it's like, you know, as I built the thing in Unity, I realized I was like, no, this is a horrible idea. Or like I change <laughs> complete direction. Um, and that's like the part of the process that I really love is like I don't necessarily um, need to pin it down exactly at, in first go. Like it's fully okay to trust your capability and like express it as you go along with it. And I think that's sometimes that's why like creatives are very hard to understand is because, you know, I I really don't know why I make this turn or make this change. It's just like, it just feels right. Um, and it, it can be unsettling for certain people when I try to explain like why I do something. things.
0: <laughs> well, no, and, and, and it's interesting how much your tools kind of affect those, those decisions. And even just right, like the yeah. amount of, the amount of like different types of tools. Like I, like, I don't know. Just like my my kind of recent adventure into um, coding and, and using Unity, like it's yeah. it's kind of changed the way I think about making things. It, just by even even coming bringing that that kind of knowledge and experience of, of how a different tool functions, like changes the way I use other tools too. Which I always think is um, super fun. Like it's just really fun to to learn those those kind of new processes and new ways of thinking. And I think that's ultimately what makes, I guess people unique in their, their kind of creative uh, aspect, I guess, or their their, uh, perspective. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think um, like you probably feel the same way where it's like, no, your workflow is somewhat like unique to you. It has like a, I mean, obviously there's overlaps across like multiple people who who are working in the same medium, but like, your the way you work is actually the thing that affects like your style a lot and when people say that they want to experiment with a different style a lot of times it's like they experiment with a different tool or a different option and like that is the way you express um like you know the change of perspective or the change of like style that you're looking for um yeah
0: is there any new tools or or, um kind of new, new things that you're specifically trying to learn right now
1: yeah, so I'm still trying to get better at Unity. Um, I oh, nice. Started, yeah. Um, it's it's been a very uh, interesting experience, I think, um, especially because I'm fortunate enough to have that uh, uh, kind of option. Like, isn't like I can work on this during work time. Like, I can learn it and I can like tinker with it as I'm working and like exploring different ideas. I think at the same time, like trying to learn like 3D tools like Maya and really getting a better sense of what does it mean to do real-time rendering so you know in the past like oh, because yeah. i'm more used to opera effects and cinema 40 like those are very like you know kind of like oh just like start the render and then you leave it but no things are completely different when you're in vr where you have to take into account frame rate polygon count like dynamic like real-time lighting what does it mean to write shaders um so there's a lot of other things that I have to take care of and, like, try to get a better grasp of. So, um, yeah, there's just, like, a mixture of things. And I have have a couple of game ideas in my head that I kind of want to do as well uh, on the side as uh, a cool. personal project. Yeah. So we will see how that goes.
0: <laughs> I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm pumped to see what, what those end up being. Um, it's funny that you just said learning how to write shaders because that's what I'm, like, trying to figure out right now. and it's Oh, like, yeah. It's really uh, it that's next level, I feel like. Like
1: Oh totally. Yeah, there's actually a really good site called uh, Shader Joy. Um, and it's just like a bunch of people uploading like their own shaders. So you can have a look at them and like tinker with some of their values so that you can understand a little bit more like how they operate.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's super helpful. It's just me like getting personal advice about my projects right now. But uh, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> um we're all no, that, <laughs> yes, we are. We really are. No, but you, you mentioned um, the real-time rendering thing. I've I've seen some crazy stuff coming out of Unity recently. Like even in the absolutely just like I, I think somebody's either did or making a feature film, like a feature 3D like film that is they're using Unity as their main render environment, and it's not yeah. like photoreal. It's not like hit, they're hitting Pixar, but it's it's definitely got its own unique look and. I don't. Know, I thought that was fascinating, and and uh, and I'm I'm and it makes me kind of hopeful. I guess for example, I'm, I'm like I'm I'm just right in the thick of a, of a massive uh, you know cinema four D octane project. Our renders are taking like you know thirty hours for these four K right now, and it's just, it's a nightmare. It's just like it's so intense, um, and and it just makes me so excited to think that there are people out there you know doing some really beautiful beautiful stuff in kind of real-time 3d space it's super cool
1: absolutely yeah and I think that it's like something that I also um, gain a much better insight into is um like why gaming industries are so heavily specialized because like at first when I was like when I was like younger and I was like playing video games or whatever I'll be thinking to myself I'm like well, why why do you need to be and like a specifically an animator? And then why do you need to be specifically for someone who like weight like fabric and like rig characters? Like, <laughs> yeah. why why are things so separated? Because like for me, it's like I'm like oh, I want to be a 2D animator, which means that I'll probably learn illustration. I will learn a lot of like other things, and I can essentially do one animation on my own. Like, I don't need to depend on anyone. But like as you get into like like, kind of, like, real-time, uh, like, game development and understanding, like, how these systems works. So, like, you, you get a much deeper appreciation for the work that they do. It's, like, you, you learn that it's, like, oh, no, like, you know, very basic things like how do you rig the character and like how does the fabric flow and like those take a long time to like actually polish and do well and there's a it's funny because like now that I sometimes like the recent like Christmas I went home and I was playing Overwatch with my brother and I was saying to him I was like dude do you know that like this entire thing is made by like a whole bunch of artists like it's like it doesn't come like out of the like out of nowhere (laughs) like someone have to craft each of the triangles and then like extract like normal maps and like love maps all these kinds of things and i was like and he's like i don't know this is like way too much for me man like i don't want to do this
0: (laughs) just leave me alone i want to i want to i want to shoot some people like come on yeah yeah that's so funny um
1: it, it's 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 like very humbling. Like it's very like I uh, as I like dive deeper, I'm just like wow. Like you know they it, there's so much love and so much care taken into like building like doing world building, and the thing is that is like you know the amount of detail that you put in is. Uh, helps to express your idea um, more and more, um, and I think that as we move to a stage where we focus more on interaction uh, versus passive consumption, like we are going to have to do much more in order to support this sense of like illusion of like you know immersion like the fact that you 're in a world and not just something that like some random person just stick together um that you feel like you 're really there and and I think that that's the part that I think that's why creatives have a much bigger role to play as this kind of um, medium grows and, yeah, become more mainstream.
0: No, definitely. And it, it is interesting, like, just to see this kind of, like... I, I feel like more and more I see, like, animation studios kind of, like, starting to to dive into it. And, and I'm curious how... Soon we'll kind of start to see just like full out all they do VR entirely or for, it'll be a lot of these kind of hybrid shops that are just like, you know, like our main gig is development, but we do a little bit of VR. Or our main gig is animation, but we do a little bit, bit of, you know, Oculus or, or – um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see when it becomes – I'm sure you know of, of more mm-hmm. studios that are, like, focusing entirely on that. But it is interesting that they're blended and everybody's going to kind of come from their, like, their one specific, like,
1: right.
0: you know, their, their previous, um, I don't know, their previous, like, full-time gig. And and I think that's why you get such a variety right now. It'll be interesting to see where it goes when, when we have people just, that's all they do. That's, a, that's their yeah. entire shop. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's like a huge reason why actually VR right now, most of the content are gaming because gaming is something that is kind of like the art form to me that like amalgamates all the previous mm-hmm. art forms. So like it yeah. has storytelling, it has scripts, it has audio design, it has, you know, like architecture, it has character and like animation and all these kinds of things. And I think that... There's a huge part to there's a huge opportunity there also for like animation studios to kind of developing that kind of muscle and I know that like a lot of studios um, like you know because of the whole like mobile with motion kind of like uh, kind of excitement I think a lot of um, studios also have learned like what does it mean to be doing interactive work and how we use motion to communicate that and I think definitely like a lot of animation studios will be in a much uh, in a very great advantage in terms of, like, taking, taking VR as a medium, like, further um, and, like, expressing ideas that, like, none of us actually imagine. And that part is, like, I'm very pumped about. I'm very excited to see what else is going to be out there that we didn't expect.
0: Yeah. Um, so are you are you working on anything right now that you're, you're super excited about that you can talk about? I know I'm sure there's a lot of things going on um, that you can't talk um, about, but... <laughs>
1: Um, so with Oculus, there's definitely a lot of things that are uh, that we're working on. Um, I think there's this interesting... So one of the primary things that I guess like, you know, in VR that I focus a lot on is actually controllers. Um, input actually affects a lot about the VR experience and yeah. um, a lot of the experimentations and also like um, projects that we're working on is like how to make how to make VR unique and how to make um, the input work for the hardware. So there's a lot of discussions going on about that. Um, and then as for me personally, I have started doing some concept work for the game that I want to build um, with like some friends. Oh, so nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that project goes. Um, yeah. And uh, hopefully I'll have something a little bit more substantial later on. <laughs> oh, no, cool, know, yeah.
0: So you're yeah. building with a team, like what is your kind of role on that team?
1: Um, so I pretty much focus on the art. I actually was the one who pitched the initial like game mechanics or game idea. It's basically a dancing rhythm VR game that you'll in a, uh I don't want to pitch too hard on it, but like it, it's basically, imagine if it's like very far in the future where you uh, – robots uh, like humans have actually uh, some part of the human civilization have left earth to go and be explorers and go and like you know see what's outside of the universe uh you are someone who is left behind and um there are other humans around but their characteristics is very different from you they uh focus on doing like repetitive tasks they want people to fit into the norm and you basically are trying to escape earth so you will be like going to the bus stop every day so these are the levels where you would go to the bus stop you hop on the bus and like each of the your neighbors or your humans or people who are riding the bus will have like a dance and then they'll be all playing to like a particular music to it and so you kind of have to try to fit in in order to not uh be punished um, so okay. the whole the whole premise is that you're catching the bus in order to hit like a supply shop so that you can buy more parts so you can build your own um, space bus in order to escape Earth. But along the <laughs> way, in order to get the parts, um, you will have to do these like all these different dance moves in order to stay um, undercover and not be like captured, um, so that yeah. you can hit to the to the next bus. And then like as the level gets. Um, as you get deeper into the level, like the bus ride becomes longer and the dance moves become more complicated. Um, and then eventually you get to build a bus, uh, and escape us, but that's the, that's the idea right now. And if anyone wants to build it, like, please feel free. Like I would love for it to just exist. <laughs> I just want to play it myself. That's all.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. So is this like an after hours type thing or, is, or do yeah. does Oculus kind of make space? Okay, cool. I didn't know if there was like any kind of time for like, personal side projects at work, too.
1: No, uh, I think right now, because, like, we... Oculus is trying to move really fast, so a lot of it is just, like, you know, you just need to put your heads down, like, work, um, and, like, you know, help to support the team and all that kind of thing, and then I just got to work on the side of the weekend and, like, you know, figuring out what the aesthetic should be, how should the characters look, and all those kinds of things, but it's all been a very good learning process for me overall.
0: No, that and that's super interesting, and, and I'm—I don't know. Have have you found it um, challenging? Because it, it's definitely a huge um, time commitment, right? To to take on a big mm-hmm. side project like that. Um, do you have any kind of like routines or, or habits that kind of keep you active on your side project?
1: Uh, that is. A very good <laughs> question. I'm not a very disciplined person, like as such, but lately I think I've just been trying to be like, hey, you know, every day I'm just going to do one one piece. Like I just need to force myself to like, whether it is like collecting like inspiration for mood boards or like just doing some very simple prop modeling, just so that it's still in the back of my mind. Um, and I think that's pretty much the only thing that I've been trying to do, but. You know, obviously there's there's still like a very steep learning curve overall to fully realize this, um, but like it's just basically taking like one prop at a time, and hopefully eventually it will get there. Um, yeah, but no, that's yeah. great.
0: <laughs> and and for like the other, because um, I think that that in itself is interesting too. Like you have other like partners and and people who are making this with you, kind of in in their own time as well. Could you, I don't know, could you maybe talk about that too? Because I think. I think a lot of us can maybe relate to that, right? Like trying to kind of amass a team to, to do something together. That's, you know, no, no, is necessarily getting paid for it. We're just all doing it together for fun on our own time.
1: Yeah. And I think like, you know, with like clearly like for me to pursue this and also like, you know, the team in general, like trying to pursue this is not about like making money, like. It's more about, like, just, like, curious about learning. Because I, I do want to understand more about how this operate. I'm always, like, fascinated by, like... It's funny, because I was chatting with one of my good friends who works at Oculus, and he is about to ship his own uh, indie game that he's been working on for five years with a group wow. of people. Um, and... He was telling me, that he's like, yeah, man, you don't want to get into this. He's like, it's, <laughs> it's like a crazy thing. Like in the like in the middle, like he said that the beginning is relatively easy as with most projects. Like the beginning part, you're like super excited. You're really pumped. You want to do all these things. At the end is also easy because you feel like the the end is near. Like you're like about to ship it. You can't wait. But then the middle part is the part that's the most um, gruesome. Yeah. And, uh, and I told him, I was like, yeah, like, I do want to put myself through this kind of pain. Like, I, I, I'm curious about how painful it is. Like, isn't it like amazing to actually understand why game development is so hard? Like, I, I didn't have a deep appreciation for like 3D artists until I started learning Cinema 4D Maya or Blender or anything like that. Like, I didn't, you, you have a sense as a creative in general, but like, only until you start learning the tools then you realize you're like wow there's like a lot of complexity involved and mm-hmm. I just want and I think like the team in general who like you know that are going to be working on like hopefully collaborating on the game is that I, I think we all are just curious like we're all just like wondering what is it really like um, and having something that is interactive and like you know kind of mixes a couple of different mediums together and mixes a couple of different um ideas and visual language and all these kinds of things together is something that I'm super excited to see how it goes it might just like crash and burn but like you know at least we try
0: <laughs> well yeah and even even in that process you're I mean I I'm sure you'll just learn a ton of new stuff and that'll inform the next yeah. thing you do so it's not like it's like I don't know. I don't think it's ever a waste of time. At least in my experience, to start something, even if you don't finish it, like I think there's so much that you learn on the way. That absolutely, is great. And,
1: and that was the thing that I actually learned with Maestro was like you know, uh, like even if it doesn't work out, like that is perfectly fine because it's like you know, like I don't want to time I like. I don't want to tie my life to a particular idea like I just want to like keep moving forward it's like you know I, I don't think I don't believe anyone only have one idea ever in their life they always have a couple <laughs> or maybe a few projects that you want to execute um, and you know it, it gives you an opportunity to go and find um, other things and maybe when you come back to it it will actually you will be more mature and actually be more ready to, to try that out. Um, yeah, wow. I just sound very zen right there, but...
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it, it's true, though. Like, I, I feel like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, you, you set things aside. Like, I hear this with writers a lot, I feel like, where they, uh-huh. they, they start working on a story and or a character idea or something like that. But, you know, and it just doesn't work. And they're just like, it's fine. Like, it'll come back around. It'll work its way into something else yeah. that I'm doing in the future. Absolutely. Um, all right, so we, we try and... And unfortunately, we, we are... Uh, you know, I wish these podcasts could go on forever, but unfortunately, no one <laughs> would listen if these were, you know, four hours. And don't, don't, don't tweet me and say that these should be four-hour podcasts because they should not. They're Like stop this! Uh, I,
1: don't yeah. to, I don't want to hear them talk anymore.
0: <laughs> well, we we try to end each each episode with the same few questions. Uh, the okay. first is, and, and you're not a freelancer, so this is kind of an odd question, but who is your dream client?
1: Who is because oh, you don't
0: know, only have clients. So I guess this, this one uh
1: I guess like the the dream client is I think I kinda already have it. Like I, I do build things for myself, like a lot. Yeah. And I do yeah. I do think that that's uh that's a huge part to like making something that is meaningful and that you care about. And and I I, I really did enjoy like Like so far, you know, most of the things that I've built and most of the projects that I've worked on, a lot of times there is an element of me in it, and like, why would I be using this? Like, do I care about this? And I think um, it hasn't made me jobless yet, so that's good.
0: (laughs) That is good. Yeah, I've
1: survived so far.
0: (laughs) All right, next question. What is your favorite animated film?
1: Ooh, that one's hard. Um, so. There, so I love uh, all the work that is done by um, Miyazaki. So um, all the Ghibli films are absolutely brilliant. I really liked um, The Wind Rises in a sense how it, how panoramic and how how well he controls like emotions as well as like like film techniques um, expressed in a way that is inside an animation. And I think that is something that. Uh, I think it's very sublime and very beautiful. Um, and, yeah, I think Miyazaki's film is really good. I also really enjoyed recently, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but it's called Kimi no Nawa, and I think the English name is something, it's called like Your Name or something like that. Uh, uh, it's one no. of the most successful um, anim, uh, anime films um, from Japan uh, in 2016. Um that one was uh, both uh, visually stunning as well as emotionally charged I think that was like a really interesting uh, take in like how you can twist animation and like make it special like make it fit with the plot like I think it's a very unique thing like sometimes you watch an animated film and you feel like it's like well if it was a life-action whether it's a life-action film of the storyline versus uh, like animated format like they're both going to result in the same emotional impact but with Kimi no Nawa I think this, like, it's very distinctly it's like yes this is why it's animated mm. like when you watch it that's how I felt
0: yeah that's amazing I'll have to check that out I think I saw something about that maybe on Cartoon Brew or something um, yeah because the box office was crazy apparently um, if I'm thinking of the same one but anyways um, next question what do people you love think that you do for a living
1: <laughs> that is, it, it's particularly interesting because that was the experience I had during Christmas time. Was oh, really? When I went back to Hong Kong <laughs> and I, I was talking to my mom and my mom like very earnestly asked me like in one of the, over dinner, she's like, how can I explain what you do? Um, like she said, I think I know what you do, but like how do I do it to like my friends and like, you know, our relatives and things like that? And I was just like, She's like you, essentially like strap two computer monitors onto your face. I was like, no, mom, I'm like that is not exactly how you would describe it. I was like, it's like you. I work in a computer that allows you to experience it in a like in space, in real three D space. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna try to translate that into Chinese to to like explain to like all your relatives. Yeah. Um, I don't think they fully understand, but like, you know, when they try, when they, when I put on the headset for them over yeah. the Christmas for them to have an experience, they're like, Oh, okay. But then like, even after that, my mom was like, I get what you're trying, I get what you're doing, but I don't think I can verbalize it quite well just yet. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's the same for me sometimes. Like I don't really, yeah. know. I just like, eventually sometimes I hit a point where I'm just like, yeah, I just like, I used to move squares around. Now I move triangles around like
0: that's how i would frame it. yeah oh man and and that's that difference sounds so subtle but to actually understand like why that makes sense uh, i just i feel bad for our our parents sometimes like just in general.
1: <laughs> yeah my mom tries <laughs>
0: yeah and that and that's that's great that's really all you can ask for so yeah um all right last question what animal did you choose for your animal later and why
1: So I chose a Shiba Inu, which is a Japanese dog breed. Uh, I have a Shiba Inu. Uh, His name is Toro. And I chose that because I felt like it was a very fitting um, spirit animal of mine, like in the sense where uh, they are very – they can be stubborn. Um, They can be – they're very – they can be opinionated. They have strong opinions Um, and as well as the fact that, you know, they, I think, like you know, Toro cares a lot about me, and I also, if I think about the spirit animal for work, like I care a lot about the work that I do, um, and I try to be as thoughtful as possible, um, and yeah, it's just a good companion to have. Um, so yeah, Shiva is my my spirit animal.
0: Love it. <laughs> I love it when people put, like, so much, like, effort into their, their, like, why they choose their animal. So, yeah, that's amazing. Um, Well, (laughs) thank you so much for for coming on the show and, and being so generous with your time.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun.
0: Animalators is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and created in collaboration between Identity Visuals and Gradient. To learn more about the work we're doing at Identity Visuals, check out IdentityVisuals.com or follow us on Twitter at IdentityVisuals. And don't forget to go check out the brand new, just launched website from Gradient, Gradient.is. You can also find them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter at Gradient.is, that's Gradient D-O-T-I-S, and you can follow us on Twitter at Animalators. You can find out more about Agatha and her work on her website, agatha.is. That's A-G-A-T-H-A dot I-S. The theme music to this show was written and produced by Cody Fry. Check out more of his work at codyfry.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, or you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, YouTube, really anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And if you're into this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review or drop us a note. We always love getting your feedback. And when you leave us a review on iTunes, it helps other animators find this podcast too. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I can't wait to be back in a couple weeks for another episode of Animalators. Curious conversations from the world of animation.